Good morning. Uh, sermon writing is difficult. Um, yes, amen again, please. Um, this is my second uh, shot at the job, and uh, I told myself I was definitely going to be more prepared this time. And then I found myself in the same spot, pacing and trying to figure out how to begin. Uh, Travis usually starts with a joke, um, something funny or entertaining. Uh, but I was struggling to try to figure out what I was going to say as it relates to uh, our topic of Thanksgiving. As a default, I kept hearing my beautiful bride's voice in the back of my head telling me to make sure to smile. Um, now, as most of you know me, will understand I'm not the best at hiding my emotions on my face. All right, I don't have a good poker face. If I'm feeling it, you will see it on my face. Um, and as a default, uh, my face is apparently an angry one. Um, now understand that I am not angry most of those times. Uh, you see it. Uh, I just have a horrible case of resting angry face. Um, so hopefully as I lead the lesson this morning, my face will leave you positive and, uh, with a happy outlook on your Thanksgiving. Um, our title this morning is thanks giving emphasis on the thanks. Um, and I want us to focus on that, uh, because we all lead busy lives doing a bunch of things. And uh, at least in my case, it seems like I kind of reserve uh, a year's worth of thanks all for one day uh, and meal. And uh, I know around the table, you probably have traditions of going around and saying what you're thankful for. Um, and I, I think, though, you know, why only this day? All right. Um, now, some of you may be saying, I give thanks all the time. And, you know, you're just good at this. You got you got what's uh What's going down? You can take a break. And to that, I say the cookies are waiting for you in the back after the sermon. <laughs> Thank you. The first service, the, 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 that died on that joke. And just, <laughs> I just wanted to get down. But I appreciate the, the sympathy. Um, but to be honest, if we're being honest, um, I look at myself first and foremost. Uh, thanks is probably lacking um, in my life. So let's uh, get right into it and look here at First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want us to focus on a few words and phrases here. All right, we have always, we have continually, in all, in God's will. And I believe that last part is key. God's will. These are not, hey, if you got the time, you know, when something great happens, guidance. This is our Father's will that we rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So let me ask you this question. What would your life look like now and in the future if you didn't know the truth? That our Savior brings. It's a strong question. I mean, when I saw it, uh, it struck me because it was simple and it was powerful. I know personally my life would be exponentially different if I didn't know the truth. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that most everyone here has some uh, type of personal relationship with God. And yet, I know that there are probably a lot of complainers in this room. Now, don't worry. I consider myself advanced proficient 
and complaining. Um, And when I think about complaining, it always makes me think of those people. You know the ones I'm talking about. Those so filled with joy doesn't seem like anything could get them to relent. Like the gentlemen who stand at the Queen's Palace, not smiling ever. All right? You uh, sit there trying to poke holes in their joy and they bob and weave every attempt. So then I think, why is it so hard to stay positive and be thankful? Well, maybe it's like smiling versus frowning. They say it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And for some of you, uh, you may say that you love a good challenge and like to keep all your muscles strong. Um, But much like that, I believe the world that we live in, especially here in the United States, makes it much easier to complain and not be thankful uh, than to give thanks in all circumstances. It's too hard. I don't want to. Nothing good ever happens. My life, this always happens to me, of course. Right? We've all done this, heard it. Right? If you have a teenager, you hear it daily. Maybe if you don't have a teenager, you hear it daily. Um, and unfortunately, it seems much easier to question and stay down than to keep positive and trust in God. Now, there are some studies that show positivity can be good, especially as it relates to your health. Uh, people with family history of heart disease who also had a positive outlook were one-third less likely to have a heart attack or other uh, cardiovascular events within 5 to 25 years than those with more negative outlook. That's coming from John Hopkins, uh, some doctors there. Um, and the finding held even in people um, with family history who had the most risk factors for coronary artery disease, um, that those who were positive um, from the general population were 13% less likely than their negative counterparts to have a heart attack or other coronary events. Um, researchers suspect that people who are more positive may be better protected against the inflammatory damage of stress. Another possibility is that hope and positivity help make better health and life decisions and focus more on long-term goals. Um, Studies also find that negative emotions can weaken your immune response. What's clear is that uh, it seems positivity is the better way to go. So I want to take a look at Job this morning. And what happened to him? Let's see how he handled all the adversity Satan could throw at him. And here's a hint. He still complained. So we're going to start here. The first chapter of Job, 1 through 5. In the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. And he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. And had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the east. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. uh, When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. Job was a good dude. Uh, And he had a lot of things. He was blessed. Thousands of animals upon thousands. uh, Good kids. And even if they weren't good, he was making sure every morning to make an offering just in case. All right. So I'm going to kind of spark note the next few verses here. Uh, This is 6 through 22. So the angels uh, are meeting with uh, the Lord and Satan. 
comes up to meet with him, and, and uh, the Lord says, uh, what have you been doing? And Satan says, you know, I've just been roaming, roaming the earth. And God says, well, have you seen my guy uh, Job? He's kind, blameless, fears me, and shuns evil. And Satan says, well, of course he does. All you do is care for him. Uh, you know, Satan says, how about uh, you strike all that he has, and I bet he curses you. All right, God says, fine, everything he has is in your Satan's power, but do not touch Job. Job receives, uh, so they're all good. They make a deal. So the next day, or shortly thereafter, Job receives a messenger and says, all your oxen and donkey were stolen. Your servants killed. I'm the last one. Before that messenger could even stop, another messenger uh, comes. All your sheep, they're burned up. People watching him killed. I'm the last one. Knock, knock, knock. Before he could stop. Uh, the Chaldeans stole all your camels. Killed all your servants. I'm the last one. Ring doorbell. Oh, another one. Uh, guy comes in. Hey, your kids were having a feast uh, at a house. Strong wind came. Four corners. Came a little loose. Boom. All your kids are dead. I'm the last one. Man who had... A lot of stuff, it's all been taken. And yet, let's see how he responds uh, in Job, uh, first chapter, 20 through 22. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground to worship, in worship, and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Now, that's some resolve, initial resolve. How many of us believe we could respond to the weight of this adversity adversity that Job had? I know that I would not respond probably like that. Um, And it's probably difficult to even think about that. Uh, So let's continue. Uh, We go into uh, the second chapter of Job. The angels are meeting with God again. Satan comes back. God says, hey, uh, where are you coming from? Satan says, you know, just roam on the earth again. God says, did you check on uh, Job? He still maintains his integrity, even though I allowed you to incite me against him. Satan says, yeah, you didn't let me hurt his skin. I bet he curses you if I strike his flesh. Once again, the Lord said, all right, he's in your hands, but spare his life. So Satan afflicts Job with sores from his head to his toes, so much so that he was scraping his skin with pottery. Um, now, take a second to think about that, uh, how bad um, these sores must have been that he looked at a broken piece of pottery and thought, that, you know, this would be good for itching purposes. Um, Job was having it rough. Um, so much so that his wife encouraged him to curse God and die. And he had an interesting response to this. In verse 10, he says, You were talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble. In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. So Job just sits here, staying strong, dropping truth bombs. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us view God this way. You know, good things that come are definitely from God. Bad things, Satan, or maybe, you know, I just wasn't doing right. You know, when I was a young man, a kid, my favorite football team is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Boo, yay, whatever, you know, that's fine. But that was my team. And 
I truly believed, you know, if I did bad, that they were going to lose. And that's how, you know, I kind of associated with that. You know, I needed to be good or else, you know, they weren't going to win football games. You know, but that's not, that's not how it works, okay? Bad things happen because God allows it, and his plan is perfect. Uh, many times this is an extremely hard pill to swallow uh, and to be thankful for. But Job isn't perfect. And in fact, um, some of his buddies come to stay with him while he's suffering. And uh, they have a very long uh, back and forth about the happenings of Job's life. And this is where we find the three hindrances, um, I believe, uh, that hinder our ability to be consistently thankful um, as they start to be revealed through Job. So our first hindrance that we have is the pity pot. Job 3, 1 through 5. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish in the night that said, A boy is conceived. That day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. And he continues in verse 11. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? How many of us have said that at some point? Most likely as a younger child, when your parents deprived you of that world-defining thing that just you had to happen at that point, right? Oh, well, might as well just die. I can't go over to someone's house. Uh, yeah, yeah, even some adult. I mean, even, uh, even now, right? Um, I think that we as adults struggle with this. Maybe my family. The world would be better if I wasn't here. But that's not God's will for your life. He wants you to give thanks in everything. But the pity pot, it's a go-to, right? It's easy. People can join in the lament. You can have a pity off, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, don't look surprised. We've all battled out to see whose life was worse, and it's definitely mine. God gave me uh, musical talent, sing. Um, especially in high school, really started to cultivate the talent. Um, a lot of people tell me I had a good voice. So I go on to top five music school, uh, perform well. You know, I think, all right, you know, I'm going to go and be a performer. You know, live that performer life. Um, I auditioned for a cruise ship. I auditioned for every branch of the military that had some sort of singing. Zilch, nothing. I don't know um, how familiar you are with um, arts auditions, but there's, you know, there's tears, right? You, you have to just meet. Okay, we want to hear some more. You know, I didn't even get past that. They see my face. You know, I see my face, nothing, and it crushed me. And I just started getting down on myself, just living in this pity, you know, pity that sent me to Florida with my grandparents for a few months um, and came back up here working my high school job, Chick-fil-A, with a college degree, trying to figure out, mm, what am I doing, right? And, and I was stuck. Um, we have to get away from that pity uh, and see the good, as Job's friends point out uh, in the next chapter 4. Uh, one through six, his friend Eliphaz, Temanite, replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hand. Your words have supported those who stumble. 
you have strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you and you are discouraged. It strikes you and you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways, your hope? He's saying, hey, man, you're religious. That should be your confidence. You're blameless, right? You should have hope. All right? You've done some good things. You've helped people with faltering knees. There's good to be had. All right? We can't get stuck in just sitting on there relishing all the bad things that are happening to us. We have to take time and reflect and find understanding. And that's hard because that takes us to our next hindrance, which is pain and frustration. In Job 6, 11 through 13, he says, What strength do I have that I should still hope? What prospects that I should be patient? Do I have the strength of stone? Is my flesh bronze? Do I have any power to help myself? Now that success has been driven from me, we see here Job lamenting about the lack of strength that he has. Can he hope? Can he be patient? Help himself? Can any one of us by ourselves accomplish everything? Well, of course not. And I think that's why this hindrance is so successful. We take that time to sit in our pity pot and the pain and frustration of the day, of the things that have gone wrong, take hold. We get lost in it and don't even realize we've not given our troubles to the Lord. You wake up late, your alarm didn't go off, makes you late for work, you get to work. Boss says, come to this meeting. Oh, yeah, that I forgot to mark on my calendar. Then you get a phone call from the school, come pick up your kid. They spit on another kid, and it's not even 9 o'clock, right? And what is all this stuff that's coming up? You know, life moves quick. It's hard. When we don't allow the Lord to work in our life, we're sunk. And once again, it's the fast paceness, right? Everything's going. Um, it doesn't allow, it allows for the pain to just compound and compound the frustration. It's easy. So by the end of the day, you're just like, ugh. you know, it's, it's also like me with cookies or chips. All right. I eat one and then all of a sudden I'm asking where the bag, why is it empty? We have to take a moment after that first piece, after that first incident, you got to take that time, take an inventory what your next steps are take stock and give it to god because i can do all things through christ jesus who strengthens me that's philippians 4 13 and you can do all things as well but notice we need christ all right i can do it through him who gives me strength he gives you that strength we do not have it on our own we need him for that strength And so, of course, Job doesn't have the strength. But he can if he allows Christ to lead him. Our last hindrance that plays into all this and sends us to the pity pot is just life and environment. Job 7, 1 through 4, he says, Is there not a time of hard service for man on earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hired man? like a servant who earnestly desires the shade and like a hired man who eagerly looks for his wages. So I have been allotted months of futility and wearisome nights have been appointed to me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be ended? For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. Life is tough. It's not going to be easy. 
But we as Christians, we don't like that, right? I'm serving God. I'm going to church every week. I tithe. I'm just going to sit back here and wait for these blessings to rain down on me. No, that's just not how it works. We'd like it to work like that, but it doesn't. And I, I think uh, Theodore Roosevelt had a good quote about um, living an easy life. He said, nothing in the world is worth having or worth doing unless it means effort, pain, difficulty. I have never in my life envied a human being who led an easy life. I have envied a great many people who led difficult lives and led them well. We have this concept backward, backwards in our mind. We think follow God and everything should be easy and blessings galore. What the reality is, though, is toil. Toil means work extremely hard incessantly, right? Not stopping. All right, so to, we, we can't expect this easiness. We, we can't expect toil, working hard, extremely hard. Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Second Chronicles 15.7 But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. I doubt there are many successful people um, out there who get there without work. All right? It's not like people are out here tripping over wires and then finding success life is work and we need to take the time to realize that we got to put in the effort but we see here that we will be rewarded for that work and our reward for good and faithful service is heaven we also have to realize that uh, recognize that who we associate with has an effect on us first corinthians fifteen thirty three says do not be deceived Evil company corrupts good habits. Who do you surround yourself with? Is it a positive, thankful? Pe- uh, is it positive, thankful people, or are you around a bunch of Debbie Downers? All right. For those of you who watch SNL a few years ago, they did a skit always, and it was Debbie Downer. And there'd just be people in certain situations enjoying life with Debbie, always chiming in with something terrible, like, "Oh yeah, I just went to the doctor. He says I got two years to live," and then she make a Debbie Downer face, like that. Uh, you know, who you surround yourself with, it, it matters, right? We tell our kids all the time, make good friends, all right? We have to continue that as adults. If you're associating with complainers or people who just seem to be down all the time, then that is, that's going to affect how you're behaving, how you're seeing the world. Now, I'm not telling you you're a complainer, you can't sit with us, right? No, that's not. But... We have to take stock in how our relationships affect us. And if there's someone who likes to complain, you know, maybe we need to work together to to get out of that habit. So Job continues with his friends back and forth. Um, for a really long time, Job is a long book. And uh, finally, as we've seen, he's already starting to complain, feel bad for himself. And finally, he comes, he comes for God. Job 30, 20 through 23. He says, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. 
With the might of your hand, you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. Job's accusing God of being cruel here, especially in verse 21. Let's read that again. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. That's not God. That's not what he's doing. And and Job goes on a little bit later and he just talks about how he's been a good man. He's blameless. You know, he hasn't really done anything. And, and, and God has finally had it. Um, and he finally answers Job in chapter 38 and he takes Job to task. Um, this is God's mic drop moment. So he's had enough. All right. And so we get to 38, 1 through 7. And, and, and here's the Lord's response. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. And he said, who is this? That obscures my plans with words without knowledge. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels, angels shouted for joy. God continues on for the next two chapters, two chapters. And he goes through all these areas, questioning Job about like animals, like horses do this. Why? Do you know why? And he just takes him to task, letting him know, I'm in charge. I got this. I made it. It's of me. It's from me. And in the beginning there, it seems kind of harsh, but, but understand God is teaching Job. He's showing him. He's in control, and he always has been in control. And in the end, God asks Job if Job should correct God, and Job responds. This is 43, 3 through 5. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Job's been humbled, and he has learned that God is in control. And he repents in 42, 1 through 3. He says, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. And continuing in verse 4 through 6, he says, Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job was an excellent servant. He was an excellent servant of God who was tested to show his faithfulness. He slipped up, gave in, self-pity, and even accusing God of being harsh. What Job did not understand was the whole story. And what we will never see is the whole story in our walk. Now, you may see it later. I believe you usually do, as God reveals his good as time goes on. And, you know, I I see this in uh, my childhood. We lived in Colorado previously. Uh, and I loved it there. Uh, 
went to high school. Uh, it was brand new high school. So there were no seniors. It only went to juniors, right? No, not right. There were still juniors and they were just as mean. Um, but I really enjoyed uh, living in Colorado. Had a great time. Had a great group of friends. Really felt like I was climbing the, the adolescent social ladders. Um, and then my parents came and said, we're, we want to live by family, so we're going to move to Virginia. And I was just like, what are you doing to my life? Why, God? You know, I, this, I have things good. I feel like they're going on the right track. Uh, but my parents, they whisked us away here. And for a good while, I was... Actually, a good while. Sometime. I was annoyed and, you know, just kind of questioning God. Like, you know, what is this? I come to this place where... I don't really know a ton of people. You know, I'm having to try to make new friends and establish relationships uh, for the last three years, high school, before I'm going to college. You know, what? what's the purpose of this? You know, and, and I, I found that purpose, I believe, a few years later, getting to driving age, and uh, my grandmother was gracious enough to give me her old uh, Toyota Corolla she wasn't using. Camry Corolla, it was one of those. It was a Toyota. And uh, she lived in Las Vegas, and I had my permit, so my dad thought it would be a good idea to get some hours because you need to get hours when you're driving. So we drove the car back from uh, Las Vegas all the way to Virginia, a two-day trip. And on the way, we stopped uh, and stayed with old friends uh, in Colorado. And uh, here's where you don't see the whole picture. Uh, Good friends of mine, a a few good friends of mine, were just in a car accident about a month prior to my visit. And someone in that car accident had died. Um, and, you know, it just, it just occurred to me, you know, that my best friend was one of those people in the car. So I have to imagine that there was a possibility that I could have been in that car. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't be here now had we stayed, you know. And so I say that just to say we, we can't see the whole story. We don't know the whole story. You might be in suffering now. You might feel like world against you is against you now or things aren't working out but we just we can't know what we must do is we have to live thankfully because it's simply put for us in the first verse that we read this morning and so the way we live thankfully is simple we have rejoice pray and give thanks and we must do these things always continually and in all circumstances not just a few times not when it's easy but in all circumstances or even when it's hard even when you lose all your animals i shouldn't say that doesn't relate to you why did i use that i don't know (laughs) even when you lose your job all right even when you feel like your kids I'm just never going to listen. All right? When you feel like the marriage is not going to be helped. We got to give thanks. We have to rejoice. We got to pray about it. Why do we have to do that? Because the, the end of that verse, God's will for us in Christ Jesus. It's his will. Let's, let's illustrate it. Let's look here. First uh, Peter five six through seven. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right there. Cast your anxiety on him. He's there. He cares for you. All right. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. That trust. Trust in him. All right. Pray. Give it to him and trust. He will make your path straight. And again, we look back at the first chapter of Job in verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. May the name of the Lord be praised. We came in with nothing. We're going to leave with nothing. So let's praise God while we're doing it. And finally, back at 1 Peter 5, this is verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After you've suffered a little while, you will be restored. He will restore you. We need Jesus. I mean, it's, 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 it's just, you need Jesus. You need him. You need a relationship. You need to to get right with him, and you need to to pray, to rejoice, to give thanks. And you, you know, there's different circumstances, right? The first Thanksgiving took place in 1621. Uh, back then, they did it in three days. The colonists came over in the Mayflower, right? Uh, that was a harsh experience. And then they came here, and they had a harsh winter. I believe about half of them made it through that winter. Um, and they came together um, with the natives uh, to celebrate a successful harvest. Um, though there were struggles, they could celebrate being thankful because those struggles were currently in the past. But what about when the struggles are present? Horatio Spafford knew something about life's unexpected challenges. He was a successful attorney and a real estate investor who lost a fortune in the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Around the same time, his beloved four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. Thinking a vacation would do his family some good, he sent his wife uh, uh, do him some good. Yeah, he sent his wife and four daughters on a ship to England, planning to join them after he finished some pressing business at home. However, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship was involved in a terrible collision and sunk. More than 200 people lost their lives, including all four of Horatio Spafford's precious daughters. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy, and upon arriving in England, she sent a telegram to her husband that began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio immediately set sail for England. At one point during his voyage, the captain of the ship, aware of the tragedy that had struck the Spafford family, summoned Horatio to tell him that they were now passing over the spot where the shipwreck had occurred. As Horatio thought about his daughters, words of comfort and hope filled his heart and mind. He wrote them down, and they have since become a well-beloved hymn. 
When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to know, it is well, it is well with my soul. The hymn composer Philip Bliss put Horatio's words to music, and they've left us with this timeless hymn, It Is Well. This Thursday, we'll be celebrating Thanksgiving. And I hope that you remember uh, what we've discussed this morning about rejoicing, about praying, about giving thanks. Because we have the, the ultimate thanks, which is that Christ died for all our sins because it's God's will for us in Christ Jesus. He sent his son for me. He sent his son for you so that we could have that relationship, so that we could be saved because he cares. It's not for us to handle in it that we cannot handle, but for God. So as we continue in our worship this morning, if you're ready to make a decision for Christ, if you're struggling, if you just need to talk, I'll be in the back. Travis will be in the back. Elders will be in the back to talk with you. But I encourage you, if you haven't accepted Jesus in your heart, that you do so because he's there to lift you up and to give you that strength. Rise with us as we continue in our worship.